most cruelly, for sinners are brought back to God more easily by kindness than by harsh words. Wherefore, he said, our master Jesus Christ, whose word we have promised to observe, says that the whole, that the whole need not a physician, but the sick, and that he came not to call the just, but the sinners to repentance. And for this reason, he often sat down to meet with them. As then thou hast acted against charity and against the gospel of Christ, I command thee in the name of holy obedience to take with thee this sack of bread, which I have begged, and this little vessel of wine, and go after the robbers over the hills and across valleys until thou meet with them. And when thou hast found them, give them from me this bread and this wine, and then kneeling down before them, thou shalt humbly confess thy fault, and then beg them in my name to not do any more evil, (coughs) but to fear God and never again offend him. If they consent to this, I promise to provide for them all their wants and to give them continually both meat and drink, and when thou hast told them this, thou shalt humbly come back here. Whilst the guardian went on the errand of St. Francis, the latter began to pray and asked God to touch the hearts of the robbers and bring them to repentance. The obedient guardian, having found out their retreat, presented them the bread and the wine and said and did what St. Francis had commanded. And it pleased God that as the robbers ate the bread of charity, which St. Francis had sent them, they reasoned thus among themselves. Alas for us, miserable men that we are, what pains await us in hell? For we not only have robbed and beaten and wounded our neighbors, but we have likewise taken away our lives. And yet for all these cruel deeds, we feel no remorse of conscience and no fear of God. And behold, this holy monk who came to us for a few, who, for a few unkind words, which we merited most justly, has humbly confessed that he was wrong and has likewise brought us bread and wine with a most gracious promise from the holy St. Francis. These are indeed holy religious of God who merit his paradise, and we are sons of perdition who are worthy of the pains of hell. And each day we add to our perdition, and we know not if, because of, this, because of the sins we have committed hitherto, we can ever find mercy in the sight of God. One of them having spoken thus, the other two answered, saying, Most certainly, Thou speakest truly, and what are we to do? Let us go, said one of the other said one to the others, to Saint Francis, and if he gives us a hope that we that our sins may find mercy in the sight of God, we will do what he shall command us to save our souls from the punishment of hell. This counsel pleased the others, and they agreed to go immediately to Saint Francis, and having found him, they thus addressed him, Father, because of the multitude of our sins, we dare not look for mercy from God. But if thou hast a hope that he may have pity on us, we are ready to do what thou shalt order and do penance for our sins with thee. Then St. Francis bade them to stay and with much kindness and charity comforted them by giving them many proofs of the mercy of God and promising them to ask the Lord to have pity on their sins. He told them that his mercy knows no bounds and that were their sins without number, the mercy of God is even greater according to the word of the gospel and the apostle St. Paul who says our blessed Lord came into the world to save sinners. The three robbers on hearing the words resolved to renounce the devil and his works and St. Francis received them into the order in which they did great penance. Mm. And then it goes on to tell kind of what happened to them and a vision that one of them had, etc. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, where do you see those sermon around? 
Well, I, in Sermon on the Mount, there's different places where Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, right? Or, um, you know, like, this person did me wrong, I can get them back. Like, that's kind of what they were taught, but he's saying the opposite. And so, like, I think the brother Angel, he was kind of like, still feeling, you know, the eye for an eye, you know, like, he knew these guys were bad dudes, you know, he's like, what are you, what are you guys doing here? Get out of here, you know? He's like, you know, gave them the harsh word, and then St. Francis is like, no, no, you gotta turn the other cheek, you know? The Lord came to save sinners, and so this is how you do it. You have to be, you have to go so low you have to go back and repent of your fault in front of them. And these are like murderers and robbers, you know? And here the monk goes and gets down on his knees and does what St. Francis says, and he literally wins them to the Lord. So Sermon on the Mount is what won them. It was that humility and that going opposite. Great. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Great. Um, Cheryl, how about you? I, I, and by the way, we don't have to, I, Amy and I, uh, I had a different idea when she and I talked before about how we would do this thing, so she printed this one for each of you, but you don't have to read your whole thing, or you can, or you can just give a summary or whatever, but um, Cheryl had Martin Luther King, who is, you know, contemporary, he died in 60, yeah. And not a perfect no. man, by the way, but not a, uh, not a perfect man. No, 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 not at all perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here like, wow, I get this, and I really could relate. My parents lived through this, so they were yeah. really hot on their topic, but I just grew up hearing about this stuff and seeing it on TV. But um, he died in 62, and I'll just read the first uh, couple, well, a paragraph that I think the Sermon on the Mount comes on. Yeah, yeah. So it says, King viewed this as moral injustice, talking about racism and not other people not being able to drink from water fountains or use bathrooms. Uh, he views this, viewed this as moral injustice and aimed to change it. Instead of calling for violence against the white oppressors, as some black leaders did in the 70s, no inner cities were burned during King, Dr. King's watch. Instead, he strongly and vigorously taught, I think that's a blessing that no inner city was burned, mm -hmm. but um, he strongly and vigorously taught his followers to love their oppressors and pray for them. The civil rights movement was a prayer movement as well as a political movement. King and his followers were subject to brutality, beatings, uh, savage dogs with ravaging pressure hoses, but determined to love in spite of what their enemies did to them. And on November 17, 1957, in Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, Dr. King gave a sermon entitled Loving Your Enemies, using his, using as his text in Matthew 5. Um, so the sermon on It's astounding, huh? You know, 
I mean, fire hoses on them, kept from from drinking at the same water fountain, their children being mocked, you know. And they were still being killed. And killed. Lynched daily, you know. Um, I mean, it just was okay for the white people to do this to black. And so Malcolm X had a different philosophy. He he wanted to actually uh, embrace violence. They're, they're going to be violent to us. We will be violent to them. Martin Luther King, just astounding. It, 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 yeah, and his, and his followers did not do that. They marched peacefully, um, and he died a martyr. And and was a you know despite his faults, and they, they were many like all of us. He, he was a great great man. Right, he wasn't perfect, but he was great. He was trying to promote that. That's what I sense. Great trail. Um, so. so again, uh, th- these are these are you know asking ourselves, what does Jesus' words 2,000 years ago look like in flesh? And so uh, Olivia had uh, ter- uh, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, she's a nun uh, in India, in Calcutta, um, dealing with the poorest of the poor, won the Nobel Peace Prize, 73 or something like that. So what'd you get? From you? Um, so mine was just like quotes from yeah. So the first one is what's in the form of spirit, and then Mother Teresa said, When you have nothing left but God, you have more than enough to start over again. The spiritual poverty of the Western world is much greater than the physical poverty of our people. The spiritual poverty of the Western world is much greater than the actual poverty. Yeah. Did you say actual poverty? Yeah. Yeah. at the bottom there talks about her being at a prayer breakfast with President Clinton and uh, maybe uh, Hillary and maybe somebody else and uh, and just going after the abortion issue in front of them <laughs> right? oh, wow, wow. and uh, I she she lays it out in very stark terms I didn't know so much about her her uh, personal struggles but um, So um, we've probably have all heard of St. Francis, we've all heard of Martin Luther King, we've all heard of Mother Teresa. I gave Michaela a hard one because um, this is an excerpt. Have you ever read this before? I've actually could not finished this book, but I started it. Okay, this is a book by Rick Joyner called The Final Quest. And it's a vision, so it's not an actual person, it's a vision. But what I wanted to use Michaela's 
right up to talk about is um, the idea that we have to be Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa or St. Francis and be so um, well mature in all the things that Jesus is talking about that we just, at least for me, when, I, when I'm confronted with that, you can see overwhelming and I'm like, no way, I can't do it. Why even try? You know, why even try? I mean, uh, I, might, I might as well just, just quit. And so Michaela's uh, right up. I, uh, I don't know if you're going to, you can do whatever you want. Are you going to read part? Do you want me to paraphrase it or do you want me to? Maybe you can paraphrase it. Okay, so basically, um, okay, so this man, he's technically in this vision, right? And he says that um, he's seeing the thrones and it's, um, he was in a place where the highest kings were, were sitting. He's in, a, he's in a heavenly vision, seeing the throne. Yeah, and, um, and he says that he sees a, me- a man that he recognized. And um, he's like, I have noticed that you are from somewhere. I just can't remember. And then all of a sudden, he has a moment where he was like, wait a second. This man is real. Like, I've, like, met him before. In real life. In real life. Yeah. And so, um, basically... He remembers, I think, like a previous vision that he had or something? Maybe, yeah. Okay. I feel like I almost should read this one because it's very profound. Basically, what happens is... is you can read as much as you want. Okay, so he was he was caught up in a vision. I'm just going to this. Immediately remembered when I was remembered, and I was shocked. So, you were a real person. Yes, you replied. I then began to remember the day when a young Christian I had become frustrated with some issue in my life. I went out to the middle of a battlefield park near my apartment and determined to wait until the Lord spoke to me. As I sat reading my Bible, I was cut up in a vision, one of the first that I ever had. In the vision, I saw a man who was zealously serving the Lord. He was continually witnessing to a people, teaching and visiting the sick to pray for them. He was very zealous for the Lord and had a genuine love for people. Then I saw another man who was obviously a tramp or homeless man. A small kitten wandered into his path, and he started he started to kick it, but restrained himself, but still shoved it harshly out of the way of his foot. Then the Lord asked me, which of these men pleased him the most? The first, I said without hesitating. No, the second, he responded, and began to tell me their stories. The first man had been raised in a wonderful family, which had been always known the Lord. He grew up in a thriving church and then attend, attended one of the best Bible colleges. He had given a hundred portions of his love, but he was only he he had been giving a hundred portions of his love, but he was using only seventy-five. The second man had been deaf. Deaf. He was abused and kept in a dark, cold attic until he was found by authorities when he was eight years old. He had then been shifted from one institute to another, where the abuse continued. Finally, he was turned out to the streets. And to overcome all this, the Lord had only given him three portions of his love, but he mustered every bit of it to fight the rage in his heart to keep from hurting the kitten. I now looked at the man, a king, sitting on a throne, far more glorious than Solomon could have ever imagined. Hosts of angels were arrayed about him, wanting to do his bidding. I turned to the Lord in awe. I still could just not believe he was real, much less one of the great kings. Lord, please tell me the rest of the story, I begged. And so basically, I mean, I can keep on reading because it's really amazing. But 
he just keeps going into this man's story and how he made life. Something that you would think was so small and so mundane, but so glorifying unto the Lord. Exactly. And it's almost just like, you know, when he says, like, though who gives someone, like, a little glass of water, gives it unto me. And so it's like this man was doing all these things, and I think he was standing on street corners to, like, pass out tracts. Like, all he would, all the, he would never, like, try to gain things from other people. And... So this guy's like, well, this dude must have led so many people to the Lord. And he said, no, he only led one person to the Lord. One person to the Lord in his whole life. And it was like a dying alcoholic. And this is one thing that was so good. He said, I let him him lead a dying alcoholic to me, to encouraging him. And encouraged him so much, he he would have stood on that corner for many years just to bring another soul to repentance. But all of heaven was entreating me to bring him here. And I was too, wanted to give, wanted him to receive his reward. He was faithful with all that I had given him. But what did he do to become a human, I asked. He was faithful with all he was given. He, he overcame all until he became like me. He died a martyr. But what did he overcome and how was he martyred? He overcame the world with, world with my love. Very few have overcome so much with so little. Many of my people dwell in homes that kings could have envied just a century ago because of their conveniences, but do not appreciate them. While Angelo would so appreciate a cardboard box on a cold night that he would turn into a glorious temple in my presence. He began to love everyone and everything. He rejoiced more over an apple than my people do over a great feast. He was faithful with all I have given him, though it was, wasn't very much compared to what I what I gave others, including you, I showed him to you in a vision because you passed him many times. You even once pointed him out to one of your friends and spoke of him. I did. What did I say? What did I say? You said, there's one of those Elijahs who must have escaped from the bus station. You said he was a very religious nut who was sent by the enemy to turn people off, people off the gospel. This was the worst blow I had yet suffered in this experience. I was more than shocked. I was appalled. I tried to remember the specific incident, but I couldn't, simply because there were so many others like it. I never had much compassion for filthy street creatures who, who seemed to me that they were spe- um, specifically sent to turn people off the gospel. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm really sorry. You're forgiven. He responded quickly, and you're right. There are many who try to preach the gospel on streets for wrong and even perverted reasons. Even so, there are many who are sincere, even if they're untrained and unlearned. You must not judge by appearances. There are many true servants who look like he did, as they're among the polished professionals in great cathedrals and organizations that have that men have built my name. And uh, I, I feel like we could keep going on, but I just feel like, um, yeah, it probably goes on how he's martyred and get to that part. But yeah, it even just reminds me, um, I think it's in Matthew or Luke, can't remember, but uh, the Samaritan as well, which is so much of yes. the Good Samaritan, yeah, yeah. which is so much like Sermon on the Mount, where like in this example, like again, like you see the one man, you're like, he's doing everything right in God's eyes, or you know, even with the Good Samaritan, it was the Levite and um, the prophet, I think, or someone, someone high up, that you would have thought would have been the person. Like these are the ones that are you know, in the temple, the right. ones praising right. God, 
But then it was like the Samaritan who came by and like went and helped this man and right. was like went above and beyond, like paid for his room. It was like if he needs anything, like let me know, you know, and it was like a very controversial thing for that those people to even be interacting together. Exactly. And what you yeah. see here is like this man, like so much from the outside you could have judged him that like he wasn't really living up to his full potential. You know, but again it was like what you could see from the iceberg. Right. Like, we couldn't see the heart behind all that he was doing, which was so glorifying unto God. Yeah. And then this man, which you would have thought his you know, his iceberg must be real good. He's like, no, he didn't give me his whole his whole portion. He only gave me part of it. There's yeah. so much more he gave me. But this man, he didn't fully kick the cat, and he's sitting on the throne. Like, what the heck? You know? So yeah, exactly. I, this is I mean, really I, powerful. I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> I love. I just love that image of him wanting to kick that cat so bad, and he restrains himself. And the Lord says, right there, that that. He had to exert everything he had not to kick that cat. Mm -hmm. And we, and we exactly, you said it very well. But just remember that image of kicking the cat because we want the sword on the mount in our lives. And sometimes that's what it looks like. You know, sometimes it simply looks like what you, what you, uh, you gather all your resources to do or to not do. Sometimes the sword on the mount is right there. So big points. Um, one is, <laughs> We aspire to have the Sermon on the Mount be a major feature of the way that we understand the kingdom in this place. And, and the, the stay tuned for more and more teaching on it because it's, it's rich. Um, hardly anybody that we interact with uh, lives like this. That's not a condemnation. That's just saying it's hard. It, it is hard to be uh, oppressed and to be, humble yourself. And, and I don't do it very well. Um, my question is, what does it look like in your life? What does not kicking the cat look like in your life? What does forgiving your enemies, who, who do you identify? What, what does it look like with your neighbors and your personality, the way, how you are, you know, your particular quirks and temptations and, and things that you do over and over again or things that you don't do that you need to do? What does that look like in your life? And start to, start to talk to, have a conversation with Jesus about that. And I would encourage you to uh, hang out in the Sermon on the Mount in, in that teaching. So um, I'm a little bit over, but uh, let's let's pray and uh, and ask the Lord to help. <laughs> so, Father, thank you so much for um, uh, your ways. Your ways are not our ways, and they certainly are not the ways of our culture these days. And yet, Lord, you. You smile so big when we, when we do even even just a little piece, even just a little taste. When we resist this temptation or that temptation, or when we give the cup of cold water, Lord, would you um, would you make the Sermon on the Mount real in our lives? Would you give us opportunities to express that in day to day life? And, uh, and let us come uh, to you using our full measure. I don't want to get to heaven realizing that we were given a hundredfold and we only used 75. We want to know that we've given it all for you, that we held nothing back. Lord, we uh, love you. Amen.
Oh, any, by the way, any questions I, I should have asked? I, I know it's getting kind of late. Um, 